Hello and you are very welcome to what is a very historic day for Irish broadcasting. No, we're not talking about Vincent Brown's last live show. We are talking about Daniel McDonald's return to LOI Weekly. Hello, Dan. Thanks, Johnny. It's uh, it's bad to be back. I mean, in, in the context that uh, I know what you mean. as we speak on Wednesday, probably should be in a... You're just not sh- yourself since sh- the Dock sh- were knocked sh- should out. Should be in Parkhead. Well, I don't like any... You know, all the clubs being knocked out is pretty deflating because it's generally the... Uh, the best work period of the year is when the clubs are in Europe and then it just ends abruptly in uh, after four weeks. And I, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying it's, I'm not losing the run of myself here. I mean, naturally, when all the clubs go out of Europe, there is a, a need to analyse what happened and have a discussion about it. Um, I don't think there's any sense of crisis about anything that happened this year. Um, we'll all, get to all, that yeah, well. I mean, I mean, the clubs probably all lost the teams that they should be losing to. But I mean, that sounds defeatist to to use those, that language. Well. But I mean, there was no shocking. Okay, Jerry were very poor, but I mean, you would expect them to go out to that side. Um, the others all did okay last week. Um, but I think the the Dundalk one is just particularly disappointing because uh, there was times in both legs where they had Rosenberg sort of on the rope. Certainly, the first half an hour last week, anyway. Um, there was a chance to get a second goal, which definitely would have put them through. So when when you, you when you could have had the excitement this week of Dock uh, playing Celtic and Parkhead, um, it's not as good to be back here looking at you. But at the same time, I mean that in itself is a, is a good thing to be back around. Yeah, just around just liven group. up a bit because you know we know, need to I'm, keep I'm people feeling lively. I'm feeling lively enough. I was talking to our dude Chris, who was like the you our know, dude, our dude Chris. We, he's not not so much the boy Chris, but the dude Chris Blake who put this thing together initially, and he said that we had a huge down reaction to the European episodes yeah. and I was kind of making the point that there is this feeling now in the league it's just like there is it, it hit fans like that all the clubs went out kind of quite abruptly but uh, just getting to the matter at hand this is episode 23 and Luke Byrne who played for Shamrock Rovers in Czech uh, last week is going to join us very shortly and later on over the phone Alan Reynolds who is uh, spearheading Waterford's revolution in the southeast will be uh, joining us also and we're on Podcast Republic SoundCloud Snapchat iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, so we will also talk about what's becoming a fascinating relegation battle uh, because, as I said to you before we came on, Dan, this is going to be a little bit of a problem for the narrative of the league going for the next sort of, what have we left, 10 games and some clubs with a couple of games in hand. Cork have nothing to play for, Maguire is gone, Dundalk have nothing to play for. Uh, so basically... They're the two big teams who are basically cup reliant for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, speak to Luke. Well, speak to Luke. I mean, the the third place is so huge though with Europe. When you see the money that was banked by the the clubs in Europe, I mean that that race for third is still pretty significant. I mean, uh, Rovers and Cork getting through a round was still worth four hundred and forty thousand euros to them all in. Um, it's incredible. It's extraordinary. Like, and and I think that is the thing. I mean, Cork would be the one. Um, we spoke a bit about it last week. I was a bit disappointed with Cork in the first leg, and I'm probably a bit disappointed even with um, sort of John Caulfield afterwards. But he was probably vindicated in the sense in, in Larnica that he felt going behind, uh, you know, going behind their trailing was a pretty bad situation and proven to be so because they were they were the type of side that you needed to lead against. Cork's you know? limitations were exposed. Well, I'm not sure if Cork's limitations were exposed. How many uh, chances did they create in the uh, apart I from the fact that they a did, stonewall penalty? I thought I actually thought they did okay last week in the away like created next to nothing. I, I, they, I think in terms of approaching a game with a plan um you know they were good in the ha- first half hour actually they had those two chances was it Dooley had one and I can't think about the other half one. He cut inside in the right foot and dragged one I'm trying to think that was it was. Dooley, wasn't it? Was it Dooley? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it was certainly another chance and they were in the game and they, they sort of a bit got sucker punched when they conceded but 
as I said, I actually just don't think it was to be all and end all for Cork this year. I think Dan, I'm going to reiterate. There was a pragmatic. They, they barely created a single chance in 180 minutes. So you talk about Maguire, Dooley, yada yada. Their midfield creativity, whatever it was, a Cork created next to nothing apart from a Stonewall penalty they didn't get in in 180 minutes. I thought they played poorly in the first game. I think they played poorly in the first match. I don't think limitations were exposed. I just think they, they didn't play well in the game, and that just happens. I think the second game, as an away performance, it wasn't bad, but then they conceded the goal, and the other crowd had a position to protect, and they did so pretty cynically. The fact is, and we spoke about that, I mean, they played games on the two Sundays either side of it. What and do you think of that? Now, the thing is, long term, if you want to have a proper league, you can't just be taking, you know, calling games off all the time and having a week lead in, like Dundalk did, uh, and uh, you know, going into both Rosenberg games had a week. There comes a point when you do. You do I think Aidan mentioned that last week. And all the teams from other countries that are in summer leagues are playing games in the weekend. They're not calling them off. Uh, but the problem you have is that the squads here are generally smaller, so it does make a bit more sense to have a game off just the rest. Like I think Cork have a very small pool of players um, relative, even to even maybe even to to Dundalk in terms of like pure real first team players. And I thought they were a bit tired and and just not at it themselves when you mentioned limitation I just don't think that was the Cork we've seen this season in the first game um, I, I think being a bit harsh on them last week but, I, but, I, but, 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 but that I do think that uh, they were playing against a very wily side that were good at the back really yeah, good they the were. Back. and the thing is and they stifle them Johnny and the thing is I think they've met a pragmatic enough it's, they, I mean they really wanted to go through I'm not suggesting but that there's they an didn't. undercurrent but, with you here now there's an undercurrent with that they're not prioritising Europe and it's kind of like okay it's grand we're going to win the league well I think I think to be fair at this point in their development they need to get on that league winning express you know win like, the league I think that's the, that's the next stage in their development I think that is more important to them than going through another round in Europe this year I mean even if you want to look pure financial I mean the dog lost their first game they still got 580 grand out of Europe they got more than Cork did um, for going through one round in the Europa League so uh, Cork need to get on that you know they need to to get beyond uh, being the nearly men and sure like I mean it, it was overblown really what they did in Europe last year no it was all part of the discussion you know it was all part of the bit of rivalry but they didn't really like they did okay in Europe last year but as a team in Europe I still think they're learning I think you you watch them talk in Europe and they're far more comfortable okay, let's get in, in that situation so I think you know they, they didn't risk they didn't they paid Bennett against Bray didn't risk him last week didn't risk him in the first game they've obviously lost on Levy um, I think as much as say the Cork have nothing to play for they still haven't got over that line they're going to win the league of course but I still think you have to be ultra cautious oh, and yeah. just, just get it done as quickly as possible that's top of the list for them I think they are going to do it and I think next year we're entitled okay. to expect more of them in Europe um, you're, you're on a train when you get going it's very hard to pull you up well I mean you, just, you pull everyone up every 10 seconds Johnny. I don't so it's just, just an like, absolute, it's an absolute, very, it's an absolute very, pleasure very to see hard. you frustrated when you actually can't just butt in halfway through the, the, uh, it's simmering tension here like, it's you know. simmering tension at all oh my god are we it's just factually correct you're scatter going interruptions I just thought scatter going I, I have you to, try to be presenter I, you well, try I, to be I, presenter <laughs> I could walk I could honestly walk want to talk to you about Dundalk though because I didn't get the sense that they were I don't know why they just weren't as fluid as they were last year and I know they were kind of lauded in defeat and they got Rosenberg to extra time nothing wrong with that at all it, it emerged that McElhinney was crocked after about half an hour um, I think Gannon might not have been at his best throughout the game didn't play on Sunday um, but I just and, and obviously you made the point that they kind of were forced into substitutions but I just felt after the start they had they were very much outplayed for like 70-80 minutes 
and it just wasn't quite the Dundalk I came to expect. Now, maybe I'm being harsh. How was the trip for you as well? How did things go? Oh, uh, yeah, it was an unremarkable place, but it was, it, was, it was a good trip. But it, the good thing about the trip was leading up to a big game. Like, it was a game of substance, you know, mm. a big Champions League tie. And you knew that they were going to be competitive in the game. Um, did you miss being on the podcast? Um, I mean, I, I did get to contribute to the podcast. Um, did I just, you? I, well, I mean, I was, oh, yeah, I was on for the first 10 minutes or so and then left you to it. Can't remember. Yeah, it. no, it was unmemorable. But um, I'm getting into Vincent Brown more, uh, these withering put downs. Yeah, yeah. Last night, and and, like. and you've, you've upped the interruptions rates since I pointed out. <laughs> to be fair, I, was, I, I will answer your initial ahead, question Dan, if, ahead, you, if yeah, you start going yeah, for three go more. Ahead. We got the ads soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually thought they were they were the, the, the uh, twenty five minutes after half time they were completely outplayed. I think when they brought Stephen O'Donnell in, they actually calmed things down. And I do think there was an element, you know, you've, I've been in like major tournament knockout things where you get the extra time and it just feels like the game is just petering away towards this inevitability. They did run out of steam. Um, Rosenberg were the better side on the day. I think the frustration is that across the two ties there was moments. That, in both legs where they possibly could have been a bit more clinical just even to test Rosenberg a bit and actually have them to really come out and chase the game the fact that when the Doc got ahead in both matches they didn't even lead into half time and Rosenberg under a fair bit of pressure and if they'd even gone in 1-0 down at home just what would their psychology have been if, if, if you brought been them to, to 60 on. minutes if you brought them to 60 minutes at 1-0 um, they're not the side they were last year I think everyone Dundalk Dundalk, Dundalk aren't the side they were last year but I think in the last couple of weeks they've they've got closer to where they were and I, I thought they did fine I'm not saying I, I there's no sense of moral victory and I know you're saying they're being lauded I mean they're getting praise in some sections for playing well but I don't think people are losing running themselves and I don't think either that Dundalk's reaction is oh well it's at least we get it a go I think they were gutted but they probably knew just at, at key parts of the game they just didn't do the right things and if they, that, that's just what happens it's not part of like some huge malaise or anything like that when you're playing a side like that uh, you need everything to go right and they weren't just at like 100% and but in terms of where they're at now they were close and um, I, I think you, you did see like certain players I thought you know were very comfortable like even the likes of sort of Massey and a few people like that um, who maybe hadn't had a great time and I, I, thought, I thought he did fine in the two games yeah. Gannon in the first game um, you know a couple of other I mean even St- O'Donnell coming in Gartland and Vemeland I, I gotta give a mention just because well. I was slagged about this well and I, I called Vemeland I didn't think he played well in the first leg I stand by that his performance in the away leg was probably the best I've ever seen from a centre-back for a League of Ireland club in Europe. He literally didn't put a foot wrong. No, he was excellent. He was so good. And uh, in fairness, I want to ask you, were you surprised? I think it was on the lips of a lot of people that Connolly didn't play at some point. Yeah, I, I, a small bit. But I think, no, I, no very surprised because I thought at halftime we're definitely going to see him at some stage. I think, that, I mean, okay, they had to bring O'Donnell in when they did. And then losing McElhenney was sort of a wasted sub. And I think at that point, it was six minutes to go. They were under so much pressure that... Actually, they weren't under a mad amount of pressure, but the game was being played in in Dundalk's half. And I think possibly he might have felt McGrath is just maybe a bit technically better than Connolly in that, you know, Connolly is, is more explosive, but maybe more likely to give the ball away in the course of being explosive and maybe he felt McGrath was the option at that time and I think then he was always going to bring Kilduff on at some stage so it was that McGrath sub was the Connolly one it was could he have brought Connolly on and tried to get them up the park a bit and yeah maybe but I think Rosenberg were just in that bit of control at that stage that I can see why 
I can see why he went the way he and did. And what was Kenny's morale like on the after the uh, game like and the very players' down, Very yeah. down. And I think I think he does take things to heart. I actually he, well. think like, the the reality of their situation in the league is only hit home now. Uh, no Champions League next year than it did before the game because even when things were going bad in May and June they always had Europe and then in the mid-season break Europe was the focus and they you won split five up games with, you split up with a girlfriend you have a distraction like you know and things are fine then she leaves you as well then all of a sudden it's Christmas you know yeah. and you have no one to text you know yeah. what I mean like, and, and that's, that's a lonely place that is a lonely place no. and I think they were maybe in that place coming home mm. and I'm not surprised it dawned ca- on them I'm like. not surprised it carried into the weekend as well because I think for them the setback of going out of Europe was a much a much bigger one than it was for any of the others because all of a sudden the rest of their season now is into this okay. no- nothingness now but, tell but, me but, about the coefficient and what this all means well uh, as far it as doesn't, you doesn't mean a huge a lot really okay. to be honest I mean Dundalk will be um will be seeded in the first round of the Europa League. Presuming they've, they've finished second as we expect, they'll be seeded in the first round of the Europa League next year. Cork seeding is still quite low. They're going to be unseeded. They're going to be like Dundalk in the lap of the gods, hoping that they get uh, a weaker seeded. But side. they because get to that uh, phase. 16 out of 17 seeded teams went through last mm. week. If ever the importance of seeding in that Champions League round was made clear. Getting a late goal in Maccabi last year. They would year. have been seeded and you never know. We'd have a different discussion this week. Um, so Cork will be unseeded. Um, we'll see who else goes through. But but uh, what you do need, and we'll talk about this maybe, like Cork and Dundalk. Dundalk, I think next year will be their fifth year in a row in Europe. It, that, it must be their fifth year in a That's row a in help. Europe. Um, Cork will be on to four. Um, your, your seeding naturally goes up by playing every year. Like if Dundalk actually had been in the Champions League, say next year, they might even have a better chance of, because sure. it was a year they didn't even play wiped off their list. Sure. But it, as a country overall, I think there's a marginal difference. We're still around 38 territory but the way that they've changed the seedings the country part is becoming less important and it's the individual club that's becoming more important so it's actually the, is that fair enough um i i think it's certainly it's it's probably aimed more towards the likes of say celtic and leagues where the bigger clubs are dominant um but if you have the same clubs qualifying year on year it's not it's not such a bad thing but i mean that's easy to say that's alienating sort of 80 percent of people who might listen to us who support clubs that aren't in that uh, and bracket last question for you what was the reaction of rosenberg and their fans and the media there were they, was it kind of relief or were they fairly comfortable oh no it was relief yeah. oh lord full time whistle it was um, yeah there was you can always tell a lot by the celebrations and the full time whistle there was guys dropping to their knees and uh, relief maybe in the stands and the administrators but on the pitch it, they'd been through a battle and, and sometimes these are the small things that we um, we, we we sort of hone in on and, and take some comfort from it, but yeah, it, 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 it generally was. I, mean, I just think the good thing is, I think that the, the Irish mindset about Europe probably is better. Like the clubs, you know, we're all. Uh, you know, well prepared for their games. I think. I mean, okay, Derry wasn't great, but the others. Um, there's, there's no. I, I mean, we, you spoke about Dave Barry on Soccer Public a couple of weeks ago, talking about back in the day. We must talk about the Czech experience. Back in the day, well. but like, I think the mindset is, you know, you get mm. on the flight and you go home. There's no uh, night out, and sure, wasn't it great? We gave it all. La- gave it I, all I lash, feel like from know? the from from the fans' perspective, and probably from the players' perspective to a degree, the European experience is nearly like over everything else. Like, so obviously, if you win the 
the league, it's great. And to win the FI Cup is great. But everyone seems to really hone in on when the League of Ireland teams are in Europe because they've done quite well in recent years. And that's why it's just a little bit of a downer that it's all over before all. Yeah, I know it is a downer. But although the but, flip side, I would say, is if you ask any Cork player what the highlight was of last year, it probably was the Aviva rather than sure. going, through, going through the two rounds. Let's talk Europe. about Rovers briefly before we're joined by Luke Byrne. Um, obviously, it was expected and they did the, the, the needful by beating them again in the home leg. Um, but Rovers, I would argue, will, will learn from this. And they didn't do badly. They got through one round. No, I think yours probably been a positive experience for them. Um, they got through the, the round, you know, the big round financially. Um, and the, I mean, they conceded bad goals in both games. But I, I definitely think as a learning experience for the club, uh, for the young players, I think it's a positive. You know, I think that certainly, um, I mean, they, obviously they, they, brought, they brought it into a game on Sunday where they won. Um, and I think for Rovers, the challenge now is to, to make the big two at the moment um, a big three um, in, in terms of when we're looking at the start of the season. Um, I know this year it's been a one-horse race, but at the start of the year, I felt certainly it was only ever going to be a two-horse race. But I think there are signs from Rovers in recent weeks, and, and you would expect they're going to strengthen over the winter as well, that if they keep this momentum going, they could, they could make it a three-horse affair next year. And that's progress. Um, they were miles off at the start of the year, but they're, they're not miles off now. And if Rovers are to become a top three side or better again, uh, they will be reliant on their defence, I would argue, improving a little bit. And with that in mind, we're joined by Luke Byrne. How are you, the, the, Very well. Dan? Are you criticising him there, Johnny? There was actually... A, the artist uh, formerly known as the most just, promising left back in the league. You actually introduced him by saying that he needs to get better. No, that, the that, defence needs to get yeah, better. Yeah, okay, of which he is a part. It just seems a bit as a harsh introduction. He's just settling in. Lukey, you've had this unfortunate thing of, like, this great start to your career and then hit by terrible injury. So tell yeah. us your story uh, up until now in terms of your League of Ireland, your narrative, I suppose. Well, I started off at Bowes, obviously playing in the Reserve League and the first 19 season. And then uh, just with the financial crisis at Bowes, a lot of young lads got a chance and luckily I was one of them. And I played about 70 games over the course of two years there. And um, my second season ended uh, around the time I was finishing school. So I had the decision to make that I want to go to college or take up an offer playing full-time football and I had a couple of those and um, I took my time to think about it and uh, signed for Shamrock Rovers and you know I've loved it obviously um, last year I, I missed just over 12 months um, which is a bit of a disaster but um, tell us about that injury because it was it was severe yeah it was a bad one Um it was only my first league start of the season so um, I never really got going and um, I had a little niggling injury before that that I came home from India with and that uh, I just couldn't shake and I finally got two weeks to train under my belt and was told I was starting down in Cork and uh, I think about three, four minutes into the game I got stung with a tackle that just uh, completely blew out my knee and uh, the last 12 to 15 months have just been you know, a gradual process of getting back playing football which at times I didn't know if I was going to but You didn't was, actually know if you'd make it back? No, I mean like there's a lot of complications with the injury that I had and um, I was under the best you know, medical team, I think, in the league with Tony McCarthy and Alan Byrne. And uh, I had a good work rate and stuff, and I was always confident that I would do whatever they asked of me. But there's, there's always that bit of doubt that some things might be out of your control. And, you know, there was times where I had down days and I wasn't sure if I'd get back. But I'm sitting here now, played 17 games in a row, so I'm... Very happy. You Did you, is there anyone comparable in terms of like, you know, I suppose pros that have had basically the same injury as you? Um, I know of a couple in the league um, that the surgeon 
did the same operation on me that he did. Um, but I won't name it just because I don't mm. know if yeah if it's in, if it's public knowledge or whatever. But uh, it wasn't just a straightforward cruciate injury uh, that you see probably every week in England. There was a couple more um, elements to it that uh, made the surgery and the rehab a little bit longer and a little bit more complicated. But we just took it in baby steps, and luckily I was uh, in a two-year contract, so I didn't feel the need to rush back for the end of the season and prove my worth. Or, and my rover's uh, good in that regard. Yeah, brilliant. Um, Pat Fennan left shortly after I got the injury, and um, the gaffer took over then, so he was really good at me. He gave me like time off. Um, sent, uh, they sent me away to St. George's Park for treatment. Um, just you know, anything I needed, he uh, he didn't put me under any pressure, and he assured me that was part of his plans when I came back. And it was always a case of when you're back, not if you're back, and that was a help. What was George's Park like when you were there? Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, it's eye opening just the facilities they have. Uh, it can be a little bit depressing when you see we have just nothing of that caliber yeah. over here. Um, it's obviously in England, is it? Yeah, that's the English FA headquarters, isn't okay. it? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. Like I was there when the England under twenty one team were there. I was going to ask you who was there at the time because I've I've spoken to players before and they say there's always people dropping yeah, in and out there. There was there? like um, the hotel is on site, so you you see everybody who's there. Like the LMA, um, you know the League, League Managers, Managers Association. Association yeah. They had like a gala on or something like that, and there was loads of managers from the Championship walking around, mixing with people. Uh, the England twenty ones were there. And then I think the program is eight players every week because there's obviously only a certain amount of physios available. And in my group was uh, Maddie Fryad from Nottingham Forest, um, two young lads from Carlisle, another player from Blackburn. Like it was. It was and are you working together lads. then on a day to day? You're doing a bit of rehab together and stuff, is it? Or yeah, well, just the, so it happened. My roommate was a guy called Richie Jones who used to play for United, and he had a similar oh. injury to me. So we were kind of on the same timetable, and the same physio looked after us and. You're only there five days, but it was a help just having someone to bounce off and kind of be a bit competitive Where with is he around now, the place. Uh, he's playing. He was playing in the NASL with uh, FC Edmonton from Canada. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Probably signed for Sligo now shortly. <laughs> he was trying to get me to bring him over here, but I lost contact with him. Um, he has a pretty good pedigree, though. He played in that United game out in Lille in the Champions League. You know when right. Ferguson tried to take the players off. Oh yeah. So he yeah. had like he was he was a good player back in the day, but. And it, it it is that type of injury that can really just do it for you. It's you're just done. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like um, I like it's just reality now that I run the risk of one more bang to the knee, and that could be curtains for me. Like that everyone, can't come into your head though. No, can't you can't think of it. But like that's the reality of it. Like and uh, I've done all the rehab I could. I've given myself the best chance of coming back. But uh, you just have to be that bit more careful, kind of day to day, and do maybe a bit more extra work than the others don't have to do. And just in terms of your your pace. Has your pace suffered because of it, or are you back to where you were? Uh, I was told that because I got a hamstring graft, there was the possibility of maybe losing a bit. Um, I still feel like I've played a lot of games, and I don't feel 100% fit and sharp yet. Like I'm confident it will come back, but because because the games have come so thick and fast, I didn't get to do, I haven't got to do a lot of training recently, and I think it's just kind of different kind of fitness and. Um, in terms of losing the yard, I'd like to say no. I'm probably not the right person to ask, but. I feel like I'm moving well, so... I mean, you said 17 games now you've played. Was there nerves coming into the first one or two? I mean, is it now normal? You're playing games again like you you were all your life, but was there, in those first couple of games, was there a bit of apprehension there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the first, like, I'd done a lot of training and hadn't missed a training session in like eight, nine weeks before um, I played the EA Cup game against Bowes, but I was. Uh, I remember being in the car on the way to the game thinking like, I don't know if I can play tonight. Like I, I don't know if it's the right thing to do. Just and, mentally, yeah. Like I'd done all the preparation. I was fit. I 
hadn't got one issue with the knee and then you're two hours away from the game and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm ready. Like, cause yeah. just these, the memories of the injury and that come back, but you've just got to get over it. And that's what I did. And just since then, I haven't looked back. What were your memories of the injury? Um, just like unbelievable pain. Um, like I knew straight away I'd done something bad. I knew I was missing months of football within a second of it happening. Um, I wouldn't let anyone touch it. And I started getting sick. So it's a bit of a blur then you're in painkillers and, trying to get home with the bus it was an away game which wasn't ideal but uh it was just yeah it was a pain i'd never had before so you knew you knew straight away and it's it's kind of essentially where you're you know the i suppose the bottom half of your leg kind of stays one way and then the top half moves and it kind of twists doesn't it so it's basically pretty grotesque yeah like the, just the way the mine happened was uh i braced myself for one sort of tackle and basically that didn't go to plan so my foot didn't move and everything else did and this something's got to give yeah and yeah no i mean i don't want you to relive the whole thing yeah. here you know but it's it's it must be just this must be a great sort of weight off the shoulders to have got through then these 15 16 17 games you've played in europe you're playing bowls on friday this must be a good uh good time of the season now yeah like through. just last year i couldn't even watch the team play for a while like i couldn't watch games on tv i couldn't be around pal on match days so to be sometimes i just kind of have to pinch myself when i'm getting ready for a game on a Thursday morning, just th- like in the shape for the, the game the next night, thinking how lucky I am that I'm actually back because for so long you you just don't think it's going to happen. Do you have an out option there if, you know, if you're thinking, if this doesn't happen, where do I go in life? Like, did you have, was football going to be it or was it going to be something else? Uh, well, I finished school and stuff and I've done a couple, like I did the fast course and finished school, but I've always just given my football my full attention. Owen was in class with me, he'll tell you that I didn't really concentrate in school. Um... We yes. should mention that Owen is our uh, resident stats expert, Dan. Gets yeah. plenty of mentions. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you must be in a retainer for the times you mention him now. Anyway, but yeah, it does a good job. Well, in fairness, Luke mentioned him there. Yeah, he did. No, it's yeah. fair enough. Just I had to get him in. Yeah. Um, um, I've just started a college course. I've finished first year in DBS doing night courses. So um, I've got two years left in that. So it, it did kind of, um, you know, make me realize you've got to get something under your belt here you're not you're not a kid anymore you got to do something else with your time and you do have a lot of spare time so well the wages in the league of ireland aren't enough to, to sustain you forever anyway so yeah exactly um gotta ask you about we just before you came on we spoke about europe um and i think the consensus with rovers was that you know you, you did quite well to get through against um starnan initially and while obviously you went out comfortably in our aggregate there was a lot of stuff that you could say was good and your young team young management team yeah like um obviously the first round it was we didn't realize at the time but it was quite rare for an irish team to get the two clean sheets um i thought starting were a good side um but we we went through a country i thought we deserved to go through and then the second round was um i think we had done our homework we'd seen a lot of footage of them but i think for the the kind of the audience looking in lad of a bit of an unknown and I think Irish people, when they when they um, watch watch us in, in Europe and they haven't heard of a team, they kind of expect us to go through. But this was a team that spent a few million on one player and a million on another player, and they were like a, they were a different level when we went to play them. I think we with the late goal and the home leg, we gave ourselves a chance going over there, and we really did go over with belief that like if we got the first goal or we kept it nil all for the first half, we give ourselves a chance. But uh, they're a really good side and sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and say you're a better team as I was saying to you at the time the key moment of course in the first leg was when you shanked that right footed shot um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably trying to do a great work on it <laughs> yeah I'd seen um, I'd seen his fly in the top corner I said give me a bit of that but I have to know my limits in, we've spoken about him a fair bit this season because he's a guy that's hard not to talk about I guess because he's everything good and bad in some respects but uh, 
just the first goal, like, what can you say? Uh, like, it's no surprise to me. I've played with him a lot when I was younger and against him, and I saw how good he was. And You were also part of that underage kind of... Yeah. No, no they not, hate each other. Yeah, we hate each oh, other. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, right. So, unfortunately, when he uh, used to put in the top bin, it was against my team, but I always knew how good he was, and then uh, played with him in different underage groups and stuff, and... Uh, since he's come back, like I think he was a little bit stop start, particularly with the red cards, and he hadn't played a lot of football this year, so he had probably had to get up to fitness. But um, some of the stuff he does in training is unbelievable. Like you look at him, you say he's so, so he's so comfortable at. Why anyway. is he playing League of Ireland though? Well, he's a great lad, like, and he spent seven years away from home, and I think there comes a point where you say, "I want to go back, I want to play regular games," and that's what he's doing. And I mean, I'm not going to speak for him, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if. Um, you know, people looked at him and said he could play at a higher level, he's that good. If I gave you a choice to be on your five-a-side in training, would you take Graham Burke or would you take Robbie, Robbie Keane? Jeez, oh, there's an interesting one. I was going to say Graham Burke or Trevor Clark. Yeah. It's a tough one, isn't it? Graham. You take Graham, yeah. Graham. What, what is it like having Robbie around the place, though? Because that is something which uh, we were speaking to Stephen Bradley today about and it possibly might move and get a move and that, yeah. that could be gone but it must be great to have that influence around the place yeah it's unbelievable like obviously he's not um, you know he's not signed around but he's yeah. still really demanding around the place like if you're on his team and you don't give him the ball he lets you know and even little things like that extra thing that little extra kind of um, you see you see why he's made it to the top little things that uh, you know might um how do I say, you, you might not call someone up on something because you think it's small, but yeah. to him it's these little details and they obviously all add up and he's just a really good professional and he's always giving advice and stuff. Because having Duffer, Robbie Keane, even McPhail, like the young lads that are there, you're getting a hell of a sort of a you know grounding there in terms of the knowledge that these lads must be bringing to it day to day. Yeah, like um, there's there's definitely no setup in Ireland with the experience that those lads have had at the level they've been at and uh I know they're all relatively young in their coaching careers, not long out playing football, but uh, just the, the experience and the, the knowledge they pass on to you is unbelievable. Did you play much with McPhail, actually? Yeah, played. Yeah, would have played three. Obviously, I didn't play last year, but yeah, three years I played with him. And just from, I remember his first training, he came in and he was he was at a different level. Like he's, I probably count on one hand how many times he's lost the ball since he's signed for us. And the whole Rovers uh, experiment, if you want to call it that, the project, um, the more it goes on, just the more it seems this is going to work. And I made this point to you, go bit throughout the season, Dan, like the wage levels in Ireland are fairly sustainable now. The European money is pretty big. Apart from Bray. Apart from Bray. Um, so clubs can pay, you know, sensible wages and hope that they can produce a player to sell on. Just for argument's sake, if it is Trevor Clark, how do you see this Rovers project working out? Yeah, I I think um, it's, it's I think it's destined for success. Honestly, I do. I think the training ground and the people involved in the club, the kind of family feel the club's got now. Like we see the under eights, the under tens every day, um, stuff like that. We're all one big group, and I just think that the people who are at the top of it, who have really pushed to get this whole kind of um, development in place, I think they're the right people to lead the club forward and. Uh, Maybe in terms of people look at it and judge it all on the first team and results at the start of the season maybe weren't going our way. They're quick to kind of to knock it, but um, there's a lot going on in the background that I think people are going to start to sit up and take notice of. And how far off is a league title or a league title challenge? I don't think we're far off, to be honest. I know points-wise this season, you know, Cork, Cork have won the league. I think everyone accepts that, but uh, I think you look at the calibre of some of our players, I don't think we're far off really having a good go at winning the league. We've beaten Dundalk twice this season and they've been the dominant force. So 
that shows that we can mix it with everyone, anyone on our day. We just probably have to be that bit more consistent and streetwise. And like you said before, it's a young group, um, not just young people, but you know we're only new together, a lot of us. So next year, hopefully, you'll see um, you'll see us gel a bit more. I mean, I spoke to I mean, I spoke to Bradley uh, Stephen Bradley earlier. He was saying the lads are going to be back in on the first of December this year. That, and then you were in early last year as well. You're probably still going through a bit of rehab, but yeah. it does seem like it's closer to the proper 52 week full time club than than you might have elsewhere. And that's got to be something that helps. Yeah, it's got like that's got that's got to um, we've got to reap the benefits of that. You know, sooner rather than later. There's um, the like last year, just as you were saying, we were in on the first of December, five six days a week doing double sessions in the gym, strength conditioning, which was something I'd never seen that side of in this league. Um, obviously, everyone does their own bits, but it's usually you finish on Halloween weekend and we'll see on the 10th of January, maybe a bit of testing before that. But we were we had everything from strength conditioning to nutrition, you know, different positions. Everyone had different things to do. And that little attention to detail, I think, is uh, we're going to reap the benefits of Because you mentioned Europe and stuff. You, you can't compete in Europe if you're having a three-month off-season like that, can you? I mean, it's, it's not something that you're playing teams that are conditioned to be pros the whole year around. And how do you bridge the gap without matching it, I guess? No, I don't think it's possible. I think... Obviously, when you play some of the elite on the European stage, technically they're at a superior level. But I think a lot of it is um, they're f- they're just physically superior to us, and uh, that's what I found over the last few years anyway. And I definitely didn't find it this year. I think, um, like I said, we hands up, we got beaten by a better team. But second half over there, we um, we had a right good go, and we showed we were up to their levels of fitness. And I think that's got to be uh, the way forward. What does Bowes Week mean to you, Bowes and Rovers? Yeah, it's like it's the first fixture you look for uh, when the fixtures come out. Um, I just can't wait. Like it's just a different atmosphere. You an interesting tweet back in the day, didn't you? Snapchat, I think. Snapchat. Snapchat. Yeah, oh, I was you, expecting that. I was. You left to explain that. to me the Snapchat. Did you, I'm not even sure if you know this story, Johnny, because you don't seem. To I wasn't that familiar with this. Yeah, I'm not going to tell it. Dan, Dan, you can tell us. It's out in the public domain. Oh, it's, it's a bit, I mean, you're putting me on the spot here. I mean, Luke, 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 you tell us. Luke got stitched up. I mean, that's oh, he was the, stitched up. He was stitched up, but ah. there was a, a picture of Luke holding some money, maybe fifty euro notes. Um, maybe sent to mates after he got the move to Rovers, which somehow made it into the public domain. Are you suggesting that he actually sent the message in the first place? Well, I mean, I'm sure he sent it to someone, yeah. but it ended up that someone maybe might have spread it around to members of the public who got to see it. Probably shouldn't have sent it in the first place. Luke. Yeah, look, listen, I was naive. It was <laughs> stupid. And um, I think the people at Bowes at the time knew I didn't mean to disrespect anybody. And uh, people who get to know me or got to know me no that's not my character it was just a joke that uh someone unfortunately decided was uh gonna go into the public domain but uh it was actually quite damaging that it did go out. i know we yeah. sort of, you know we're sort of joking about it a bit no no it, it posed you a few problems yeah, got a lot of not, abuse yeah got it. I, I didn't even mind the abuse it was just more so um like what like my friends and family taught of me like and going into a new dressing room at rovers i didn't want lads thinking i was this big time charity because mm. i couldn't be further from it and looking back like listen I learned the lesson from it and I, I try and pass on to some of the lads now like social media is great but you gotta be wary if the wrong stuff goes out there it can spread like wildfire and um, unfortunately that's what happens and you, you haven't posed with a 50 euro note since then have you <laughs> haven't been seen there since <laughs> and speaking of big time Charlie you were critical of me early on at the start of this show but like eventually apparently according to the boy own 
just warmed up to the deadly this is a very vain question Johnny uh, you're it's actually, not even a question I'm just making the point that I've yeah, it's warmed. a statement he's it's warmed statement. me and his clobber is right up there tonight with Fabio's on Monday night on Soccer Republic I would say he's Johnny, be, honest, Johnny be no stranger to carrying wads of 50s around to be fair <laughs> yeah, but he's generally handing them to someone <laughs> yeah. several minutes later but Air Sport has shown the game obviously Friday night and uh, what's interesting is we did try to get a Bose player on but they were kind of quiet on the media front this week which to me suggests they're kind of taking this very seriously and Bose I'm going to say this to you first and they're definitely in danger of being dragged down there as well well I went to I went to watch Bowes with you at Dundalk yeah. no against Sligo a couple of weeks ago mm. and they won that night they had 26 points at then at that point and I was thinking yeah two more wins and they were great against and they're Dundalk. going to be fine but they're still on the same number of points mm. and other teams are winning and all of a sudden that pitcher at the bottom um, it just seems within two or three weeks you can't make definitive statements about anyone okay Pats have hit a run of form and you think they're going to be okay but can't be sure. you can't be sure but this three teams going down we haven't had it in a while um, so Bows are of course they are I, I thought Bows were going to just stay clear of it nice, nice and clear of it. but as you say earlier I think if the results go against them this week there could be like a point off the drop zone at the end of it or something. yeah and Luke you must be going into the game you're very confident now you've beaten Dundalk away which we must talk about as well and you're taking on a Bows side that will have a little bit of nerves because they know another defeat is like Pats will possibly win Drogheda so how do you approach the game what are you expecting uh, I think what I've learned from playing on both sides of it is that it's a leveller. Like mm, doesn't the matter. Derby. Yeah, it's a derby. Yeah. Like it's a leveller. I think if you're um if you're part of a part of the team that's in worse form than the other, it's the game you look for to really kick start your season or kick you into a bit of form and I'm sure that's how bows are looking at it. Um these games are always tight. It uh doesn't matter where anyone is in the table, it's just one of those nights where um there's a great atmosphere and it's very helter skelter and uh I'm sure they'll be right up for it. Yeah, and you're taking over the rover Snapchat on the day. And obviously you're going to stay away from the obvious, but um, what have you got in mind for that? Uh, What are your experience of Snapchat in general? (laughs) Yeah, listen, I don't know if uh, I was the wisest choice, but I'll give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, was it like a raffle or something? You might remember me from such Snapchat says. (laughs) I'd be interested to see who actually picked me and put my name for it, but it's just, I think, to give the fans an insight into what we do for the 24 hours before a game and uh, around the training ground, this kind of stuff you eat and stuff like that, and... uh, you know, I'll, I'll give it a crack. It's probably going to be quite boring, what, but I'll give it a shot. What do you do 24 hours before a game? I mean, not, not to give it all away, but what is your... Because I spoke to Roberto Lopez earlier today who was saying he'd given up a 9-to-5 job yeah. to, move to move to Rovers. This is the difference with the full-time player that you actually can... It's a 24-7 plan leading into a game, whereas maybe, you know, for other players that are part-time, it's a different, it's a different sort of gig. So what's your day before a game like now then? Yeah, completely. Like, uh, just... I was never in a nine to five job, but I was playing first team when I was in school and it can be quite hard to juggle stuff. So I can imagine for teams that aren't full time, you know, there's a lot more on their plate. But for us, we begin on the Thursday and we all get ready for training. Obviously we train, it's quite light. We go through tactics and stuff more than actual physical, you know, physical demand and training. We have lunch together and then we do a video session um, and then, you know, we go home and it's just the case of resting, eating. We get told what to eat and, went we and we all you know put the head down get our sleep and it's it's straightforward it's quite boring but we've got the luxury of having the time and um basically no distractions just to focus on the game which is obviously a big plus what's Stephen bradley like as a manager yeah he's brilliant i obviously had him as a coach before he became the gaffer and uh he's someone who just thinks about the game in a, a different way to a lot of people i'd ever worked how with. so just the way he wants football to be played and his philosophies and uh, what he encourages his players to do. I think um, he looks for a certain type of player and he... Uh, he Is encur- that technically or...? Yeah, he he wants to, he likes technical players. Obviously, you can't have 11 technical players, but uh, 
you see the likes of Graham and stuff, they're really encouraged, those players who play in pockets and in advanced areas, they're just encouraged to express themselves and there's no kind of, um, they don't play with fear and I think that comes from the staff and the manager in particular. And we mentioned some of the players like Trevor Clark, how far can he go? Yeah, he's brilliant. He's, uh, he's obviously scored a couple of crackers this season and he's he's now shown he can play a few different positions, um, off either wing, left back and uh He's just he's got like all the physical attributes to play at the highest level and it's just up to him how much he develops and you know he's got a great attitude and he's um he's a great kid and he's you see him getting better every week I don't think you could compare him to 12 months ago from now and if his career continues like that I think he's going to do really well. He's just so young as well. Yeah, like he's only just gone 19 mm. and it's you know he's not just done it in this league he's done it in international level against like the elite countries which I think shows he's he's the real deal. What age do you know? Just went 24 last week. And have you have you still any designs on playing in England? You were obviously linked, I think, with uh, Paul Cook when he was in charge of Chesterfield. Chesterfield. Where's Cookie now? Atkinson? He's gone to Wigan. No, he's gone oh, he's to Wigan. Wigan. He's done. He was at Portsmouth. Portsmouth. He's, gone to, he's gone to Wigan. So he's uh, he's and he, he always he, he always gets a move now and again. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Makes a good move, does Cookie? He does. Yeah. Uh, so to answer the original question, yeah, is that something that you're still? you know holding out hope for yeah it's it's not my obsession like maybe Mm. it was when I was younger but it's like it's something that I would never rule out Uh, you you just got it's like coming from the coming back from the year out of football you just have to take stock and maybe set shorter term goals and at the moment I'm just focusing on you know staying in the team building up my fitness getting better every week and I love playing at Shamrock Rovers and um, I would love to stay there obviously so what's the standard like in the League of Ireland in general from your perspective um, what could improve maybe I just I think that uh, with the full time teams and maybe the part time teams I think there can be a bit of a gap sometimes in, and that's through no fault of the yeah. club selves like it's just they've got less hours in the training ground like you said lads have jobs and I think maybe not just uh, t- not, not, not technically I'm not saying that I think maybe physically I think a bit of a gap can open and uh, obviously everyone would benefit from having a full time league yeah because I mean you are on the right side of it I guess being the full time club but this situation where you have the top two the last couple of years have been clear you're hoping to get to get there with them but it is a league of two halves really now isn't it it does seem like some weeks for the bigger clubs it's not maybe as testing as it, as it should be yeah in, in saying that like I, obviously you know Cork have won nearly every game we've um we're a good bit back, and we've we've you know we've had some poor results yeah, against teams down the bottom. It's a bit early to be talking about that, maybe from a yeah, Rovers' perspective. Well, I think you know there's no getting away from the fact that there is kind of too many leagues within the league, and uh, it's still competitive. I don't think it's maybe as big a gap as some leagues like in the Premier League, where you can write off points every week. I think it's still competitive, but everyone would like to see the um, the league all go in the same direction, and that would be full time. And in relation to just the table at the moment, you're. Uh, 11 points off Dundalk but you actually have a game in hand is it possible you could catch them? Yeah it's definitely possible like Don't play them anymore now Yeah we've we've beaten them twice and I think um, obviously it's 11 points like you said it's a a lot to make up there's not a lot there's really not a lot of games left only one round but we've just got to focus on finishing ahead of Derry and Bray That's, that's our focus now we've got to finish in Europe and if that means we catch Dundalk so be it but third is the minimum for us and uh, it, it would be a good year for Rovers to go on a cup run, you'd feel, as well. I mean, Rovers going to the cup final this year, would just, it just feels like the right fit, maybe. Yeah, definitely, I agree. And there's a real belief within the squad that this is a year we get to a cup final and go and win something. Um, I think it's important that we win something because, you know, winning's a habit and it would 
could be the start of something for the next few years for us and uh We've got the EA Sports Cup semi-final next week and that'd be a good way to start getting into the final. Eh? I'm not even sure if anyone in the squad was born the last time Rovers won the Cup. It's that young. I think 87 is the last time. 87, and yeah. the yeah. average age of the Benz last week was something like eight. Yeah, we've got to mention that. It was 18 and like a bit. That. And the, the five subs, can you name them, Lukey? Yeah, there was uh, Kevin, I think it's 20. Kevin. Keeper, Kevin Horgan. Kevin Horgan from Galway, of course. Uh, Sam Bone, who came on. Um, James Duna. Michael O'Connor. Sean Boyd. Um... Dean Dillon and then the Wonder Boy, Aaron Bulger. That's pretty impressive, Dan, to be fair. Just the Wonder Boy. He's, 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 I know he was at the 17s this year and he even looks small against some of the German lads I think he was playing against, but he's a looks like a player. Yeah, like I wouldn't like to say too much too soon. It's, it wouldn't be right, but uh, he knows what I think of him and he knows what we all think of him. He's an incredible talent and uh, the best thing for me is he's got his head screwed on more than any kid I've ever met, so... I think he's got a really good chance. Because how important is it for the league that when you lose a Maguire, say, or a Kevin O'Connor and even a Horgan and Boyle, that there's there's others coming through to talk about? Because there is almost that bit of a low when they go. It's deflating when they go, but it does seem like there is there is lads in that younger bracket on the way up. Yeah, like you're seeing, I think, like when Richie Taylor left, everyone was looking for that next kind of poster boy and person just to kind of, you know, fly the, fly the flame kind of thing for the league. And Sean Maguire, Horgan, Boyle have all stepped into those shoes and... All, people are going to look for another. I think Trevor Clark's one that could become one of the top names in the league. And Aaron's only just gone 17. He's, I think he's only just finished fourth year. Like he's, he's really? still quite a way off. <laughs> Mad, isn't it? But yeah. in terms of football and ability, you, you wouldn't believe how young he is when you see him play. How much do you enjoy uh, going back to data? Obviously, you're not in data event this week. It's a Tala, but that little section over in section FG where you're taking a throw in, it's, it looks like a pretty daunting experience for a player when they head over into that territory. Yeah, uh, but when we played there this year, Graham uh, knocked the ball off someone on purpose to get it thrown in. I was saying to him as I ran up, you didn't have to do that to me. Like, so I went to take the throw in and the full pack of soft mints came flying past my wow. head. The ref was like, just get out of there, get out of there. So just take the throw uh, in. The ref was telling you to get out of there. Yeah, and then a couple of years ago, we played uh, we played them in Tala and it was my first home game since I signed and uh, I got hit with a bottle of Coke in the back, picked up the bottle, it wasn't Coke in the bottle. And, oh, uh, man. I was like, I dropped the ball and I was like wasn't to the ref. It wasn't black colour either, I would have thought. No, and I was like to the ref, you know, what do you want me to do? And he just said, I can't help you, get out of there. I was like, okay. It's, good. it's a bit like, you know, in fairness, the old uh, Linfield Celtic instant there in the corner flag. A little bit harsh on the player. Like, I mean, what the hell is he supposed to do? Like, Yeah, the bottle of Buckfast thrown at Lee Griffiths, wasn't it? Did yeah. you ever drink Buckfast? It's a big Galway drink. Oh, I, thought, I thought it was a Longford thing. No, it's a Galway drink. But it's actually, bucky. no, I know lads in Monaghan they were big into it. I've very cheap, it's, very sweet. It's awful stuff. Oh. Sorry, not Owen. Jesus, Owen is on my mind here. Lukey, <laughs> did you ever drink Buckfast? No, never no. even. Any other questions? You're, you're no, no, I think we're, we're happy enough. You know, We've gone through his demons. I don't think we need to go through them again. You know? Actually, I'll give, you, I'll give you one. Best left back in the league, uh, apart from yourself, so you can't answer this. Um, I would say... Um, I think Dean Jarvis off there, he's very good. I think he's a cracking player, actually. And I, I, I and think you look forward to playing against the least then. I mean, you don't want to give that's, a, t- a player a good, a an, an edge though. that knows it, but in terms of wingers, even you've played against in your time. Well, yeah. The, the Bolasov winger was the best winger I've played oh, against. Yeah. He was excellent. Um, but hopefully I don't see him ever again. Do you find games like the Bolasov game when you come up against a player that is that good? Does that, I've asked this before to other people, does it, does it, is it hard to come off the pitch and say, Maybe my limitations were just shown there. I just could I struggled. Yeah, it's deflating. Like you come off and you think, it doesn't matter how fit and strong and sharp I get. Like this, he's just a better footballer than me, and his brain, his brain is that second ahead of me. And unfortunately, that's just the way it is. I'm sure he's played against players he's thought that of, but uh, 
that that's us football, I suppose. Great to have you on the show and best of luck Friday. Cheers, Johnny. Cheers, Cheers Dan. Nice to have him on, Dan, and uh, just good to see someone whose career didn't end before it started, really, which has often been the case with really bad knee injuries. Yeah, although, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always conscious with those lads as well, not to let it define them either as well, in the sense of sort of having to talk about it all the time, you know, because he nearly wants to move beyond that uh, that phase. Like, Do you think I, I was too crucial? I think kind you, of, uh, there, was, there, was a, there was a sort of conscious. a... What's the Dr. Phil sort of element to that for a while, you know? Well, you Which, know. <laughs> tell me, like, but how bad was it? I mean, was it really bad? You it know, was it's bad. He, he's probably part of the process is moving on to the point where he's not thinking about it when he's when he's on the pitch. Dr. You know? Phil or Jeremy Kyle? Oh, Dr. Phil every time. Although I, I have to say, I've only watched him maybe once or twice. Uh, Jeremy Kyle. Too often I've watched Jeremy Kyle late at night. Where like you've been, Too, I've how had have you been watching Jeremy? Like, well, Kyle Vincent Brown. Vincent Brown has, has been on. But it's the second Vincent Brown reference in, yeah, in the season hour. Yeah. And then it just ends, and you leave it on in the background, and you get like uh, a cold case or whatever, <laughs> a trace or something comes on. I actually love and, like those you're on though. the laptop. I'm not actually paying attention, and then Jeremy Kyle comes on, and it's just like I don't know four or five. Well, you shouldn't be watching Jeremy Kyle, Dreadful and I don't characters. think Luke to judge him on his appearance I wouldn't say he's a Jeremy Kyle type uh, he's unlikely he's maybe more Love Island than Jeremy Kyle I'd I'm say. not sure he's Love Island either I, I'd say he's more likely to end up on that show than he would be to end up on Jeremy Kyle I mean, well, Jeremy Kyle I is generally so. Jeremy Kyle Absolutely is people involved, society, like. involved in like fraught domestic disputes Luke you know? if you're listening you're, you're back, like, I think that's a compliment but it's one of the most qualified compliments you're, you're, ever like. you're more likely to end up on Jeremy Kyle but you're probably, turbulent turbulent personal life probably you. lay Jeremy Kyle a bet at the end of the show, um, <laughs> likes the horses. Sure okay. Lad, then. Hmm? He's a good lad then on that basis. He's not a good lad. He's an absolute... He's clearly like a... Anyway, <laughs> you can tell. He, d- he does not give a monkeys for the poor unfortunates that he probably drops 100 quid each. Are they're probably actors. They're probably actors. Anyway, just come on. Just, let's, let's move off this. Yeah, so as I was saying at the start, we have to big up this uh, non-existent league now, and we have to talk about it's not the a non-existent battle. league. It's not no, and uh, like from somebody who supports a team that's been down there, non-existent LOI weekly. Um, no, it's it's just I guess we we thought this might happen where the whole uh, narrative was going to turn to Europe and more so the you know relegation battle. Let's go through just the Premier Division uh, results from last week. Um, it's almost kind of hard to concentrate in some of these because of uh, there was so much. I suppose, focus on Europe and all of that. But anyway, the results were uh, Bowes nil, Derry City 1, uh, Go United 4, Drogheda United 1, of course, a hat-trick from Gavin Houlihan there, St. Patrick's Athletic 3, sorry Bray Wanderers 1, and huge win for, for the Saints. Limerick... Uh, Pats were good. Pats were very good. Yeah, Dan, I'll get back to you on that briefly, actually, after, because you, you, you uh, to paraphrase Trevor Welch, you were at that game. Um, <laughs> Limerick nil, Sligo nil. I think it was John O'Sullivan, maybe, who's a very well-followed guy on Twitter and a real League of Ireland aficionado. He said, like, the most hilarious 15 seconds of League of Ireland footage all year, Raf Krataro's tackle, uh, the the reaction of one of the stewards, and then the utterly insane uh, reaction of Raf when he got sent off. It was off like Raf if he was in the first 10 seconds of, or the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. It was like he was, like he was taken down. I fell asleep front. in that movie, actually. At the start of it. Well, I fell asleep during it. I was I in know, America. I know, but the start of it is pretty... Uh, D-Day. Know, it's high-tempo stuff. Uh, it wasn't really high-tempo stuff. In Oriel, Dundalk were flat. Nil, Dundalk, Nil, Shamrock Overs won. And then Finn Harp's European ambitions dashed, according to Kenny G. <laughs> <laughs> ah, By Kenny. the 2-0. Uh, and we're going to get to the fixtures as well for uh, next weekend. 
interesting stuff actually. Bray Wanderers against Finn Harps. Let's let's get predictions actually. Dan. Let's just we're do it all in one go. Yeah. We're going to move on to the Be first division. Bray, Bray Wanderers against Finn Harps. This is an interesting Bray one. looked broken last week and they're still in a situation where players want to leave and they're not being allowed to leave. And um, the situation where they end up now playing against the club uh, that's fighting hard to avoid the drop coming off the back of a disappointing loss to Derry. Um, you know, you, you, you can quality get you through or if the spirit has been broken by events that have gone on, um, are you going to be vulnerable? Um, I'm not sure if I fancy Bray to win this game. Um, do I fancy Harps to go there and actually beat them? I mean, they had the game on Monday night, probably took a bit out of them. Maybe not. I, I see just a, a maybe a, a draw here in this one. You're going for a draw. I, I'm going to predict Harps to win this game. Uh, I can see why you would, but you know. there's a danger of overreaction and Bray still, like Bray were playing badly against Pats and they, they played badly across the 90 but then Gary McCabe just steps up and sticks in a free kick and they do have some they have better players in turn and attacking areas so that could still be enough to get a result if they're not fully at it but that's why I'm going for a draw but I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of quibble with your with your prediction there you, you know I like a bet Right, Jesus I'm not going to. It's I'm, amazing. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bring this up, but just this is one of the really frustrating aspects of of uh, of if you if you do punt anything at all. And Dan, you know, you can relate to this as well when things just go a little bit wrong for you. If you look at Bray's results, you know, apart from the only game I had, like my biggest League of Ireland bet all season was Derry City to beat Bray, and I think apart from that, in their last eight games, they pretty much lost every single one of them. And it's just like that particular game, they somehow snuck a, a victory. But um, I, I, but that's the point, though. Yeah. I remember, I mean, we're not going to go over this again. It's like, I mean, talking about Luke about his injuries, talking about you about your bets, like it's a sort of a similar process. We shouldn't we shouldn't go over it. But but the fact is that we did point out before that that Bray have goals in them. Um, and haven't lost at home to Harps since 2008. Yeah. I sound like Pat Kenny there. I was just off the top of my head when it was clearly owned his past a sheet. The problem, problem with 2008 stats with you know, League of Ireland clubs is that there's probably been 12 different Bray teams <laughs> in that time. So it's like, I'm imagine throwing that stat to one of the Bray players. Like, well, where was I in 2008? Not sure how you can compare I've my... I've played with 12 different <laughs> clubs since then. Not sure how you can compare my betting career to Luke Byrne either, but... Well, you can treat an injury. Cork City against Go United. I'm going to predict a draw here. Um, are you? Might sound daft, um, but just Cork. You Interesting know, context. In the, well, it's just in the, in it's, the for, it's 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 they, they, regardless of what you say. This they're going to have to switch a few positions in the team. Um, obviously, they they lost uh, they they lost in Europe, and Galway United are now going in. Haven't scored seven in two games, and Gavin Houlihan deserves huge credit for that hat trick because from a player who was kind of heralded as a big signing for us has had a patchy season I would say and probably hasn't really been playing in the in the more advanced position which presumably he now should have been playing in well he's yeah he's, he's had a patchy couple of years and I mean at Cork there was a period where it looked like uh, Caulfield wanted to make him a big important member of his side and did he ever really fully trust him to be maybe the, the player he could be for them um, he's a very talented player and, and maybe that could be the kickstart for him. But um, you're going for a home win? I, I still think, yeah, I mean, they're, they are the only team to take points off them. I mean, so you can't really sort of take the piss out of your, your view too much because they're the only team that has successfully stopped them from winning a league game this year. I just think, though, um, Cork will, will have had eight days since uh, since Larnica. Um, okay, there is that fascinating angle of, of life without Maguire um, and, and, and what way they play without him. But at the same time, they've 
this is a bonus game for Galway. I think, you know, even speaking to Shane Keegan maybe three weeks ago, this is a bonus game for them. I still feel for Cork, it's a good game for them. Coming, it's off, a the nice back, game. coming off the back of their little, little break in Europe, I think this is a home win, yeah. And, and notably today, uh, Galway United uh, made an acquisition from MK Dons. Charlie Burns, arguably the biggest uh, mid-season capture since Larry Burns in The Simpsons. Remember him? <laughs> Yes. Rodney Dangerfield. Oh yes, I do. Oh, what a character! Yeah, it's been it's while since your last Simpsons. Uh, you don't like this stuff. I got crap. <laughs> I love Larry Burns. I watched The Simpsons around ten years though. That's the thing. All my Simpsons references. You met a, gone. You met a, I'm sure a lot of people can remember Larry Burns. But best of luck to Charlie Burns. Uh, I think he's on loan till the end of the season. Big big guy like Connor Wynn. Draw the pat stand. Just looking at it right now, um, we've had a bit of a spat between Killy and Brendan online and the boss as well. Um, okay. Just draw it. I've, I've, I made it that they scored two goals, I think, in 10 games going into the Galway game. Obviously lost that 4 1. Did not defend well at all, looking at the highlights. No, draw it. Like, I think the, the situation with draw it at the moment is, is fairly grim because just in the circumstances you have with three teams going down, you can get cut adrift. And they're, they're, they're the one team that's on the brink. But now, the thing is, they, they went to Sligo the week before last and got an okay point. They were terrible, though. I know, but they, they took something from it, that they'd gone away to a team at the bottom and, and maybe showing some heart. But then I saw Pete last week um, after the other defeat speaking about, you know, they, they had a chat in the dressing room about where they're going. And I don't know, there is a sort of an air of inevitability about Nobody the gives them a chance. draw the season. And they've lost players halfway through and other teams are strengthening. Are um, you away winning? I, there was there was a real. I looked at Pats last week, and you have you have Killian Brennan, you have Conan Byrne, you have Fagan, you know, sh- looking back to something close to himself, and you have like three key players, like a spine of a team that, that won a league four years ago, and um, the Dutch guy at the back has made a difference. And all of a sudden, you look at that quality, and you think, now nah, if these guys are at it, they're they're definitely going to be safe. Um, and I fancy them to go and win. I think momentum is a is a big thing. And sure, like if 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 Pats were to drop points here, um, they're they're in a cycle where they're not safe by any means. They're one or two bad results away from being in it. It's a bit like Bowes. We can't get carried away, as he said earlier, and just think they've turned the corner because you can get dragged into it quickly. But I'll go for an away win. Yeah, it'd be a confident away win here. Shamrock Rovers against Bowes, the live game. Yeah, and, and you say form goes out the window with, with derbies, and you and, don't hear them. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just one of these lines that I'm not sure if it's, it's always strictly true. I mean, both have done okay as underdogs a bit in recent seasons. Um, this is the thing, though, Dan, right? I I make it, Pats are going to overtake Bowes in the table here. Uh, Finn Harps, if Finn Harps win, Finn Harps are going to overtake Bowes in the table. Bowes suddenly are dropped down to fourth last, and Bowes are most certainly not out of the woods. You could be worried about that scenario of Galway have lost and then you have a four-point gap all of a sudden. And if Galway lose in Cork, yeah, Galway. Yeah, and all of a sudden you have that, that scenario with like a four points to four from bottom, you know. But um, Bowes are not safe. Yeah, no, I, I'm surprised because Bowes looked so solid um, a couple of weeks back and they've just seemed to have lost a bit of momentum for whatever reason. Um, and Rovers are getting things together. And I guess for Rovers, the big step now is because um, they've had some good results this season, but it's actually to really back it up, you know, to really back it up. And to be fair, they beat Dundalk the last time um, at home in Tallinn, and they, they did go and win in Daily Mount, but then they just lost maybe a small bit of that momentum um, if they're going to actually finish third. Because I guess I'm getting, probably been a bit insulting to Derry earlier by saying, oh yeah, it's going to become a big tree. Because actually, I mean, they're behind Derry in the table, albeit with a game in hand. I mean, it's by no, form, by no means a sort of foregone conclusion that they finished third. 
because Derry had a very good result up in Harps. Will they beat Bowes? I, I think they will. I do think they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bowes, they're a very good manager who's well able to set up a team that could be difficult to beat. I mean, the Bowes were still good against the Dock when, when Kilduff got that late goal. Um, so I expect a narrow home win, but Rovers probably just a bit more expansive in terms of attacking areas. that They've they've players that can hurt Bowes. Brandon Mila has a crazy record against Bowes this season, scoring goals against him, and I just expect him to be just to be good enough. Slightly off topic, right? Are Bray safe from the drop? I mean, we had an argument about this earlier in the season, um, off air. And They're on 32. I think, to be fair, I think at the point, that was actually before they beat Derry and, and, and screwed up your life there for a week. Um I think with 33, I still think that they are. They're not letting the players leave. Um, if all the players were leaving, you'd be in a, you could maybe have a debate about it. Um, as much as things are bad and as much as morale might be bad, at 33, they're still capable of getting to 36, 37, which I think would be enough. I mean, okay, you're looking at the teams at the bottom. Okay, Galway 22, Sligo 22, with 10 games to go. So how many points do you see them getting? I think all will do well. Actually. How many points would you see them getting in I 10 could, games? I could honestly see them getting 16. 16 points, That's optimistic, but I think they're good. Yeah. So that's, okay, well, that gets them to 38. But even then, I still think Bray could win a game and I draw two. I probably get more, by the way. I, yeah, but I'm yeah. just saying that well, someone else has to lose the points yeah. from there. And, and you, you think, is, is everyone else at well, the bottom going to pick up a proportional level that, of points? This brings me on to Sligo, who to me, I would have is going down at the moment. Um, at the, to- at the moment, as we're talking, there are always, obviously these rumours about Vinnie Faherty signing, um, which I think probably will happen. Now, they're at home to Dundalk, Dan, and they're not playing Dundalk at a bad time, you'd have to say, but Sligo just don't, don't look much good, basically. Well, yeah, I, I guess I mean, the window here closes on Monday, and I certainly think Sligo have been linked with all sorts of players, and if, I, I expect they'll be busy between now and Monday. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought some bodies in. So they might have a power to do things that other clubs down there wouldn't be able to do. Good um, point, yeah. So maybe we could have a completely different discussion about Sligo this time next week on the basis of that. In terms of the weekend, uh, the knock was certainly really bad against Rovers. No, no complaints from their camp. I think about the result, they were really flat. Um, they had five changes. Sligo came missing Quitaro this week. You're sort of wondering where they're going. Because the dog did seem to have got something back defensively. Granted, Vemelin then has been injured, and will they lose that? But. I just, I just wonder. That was so bad from the dog. I'm not sure if they're going to follow it up with another really bad one. I, I think they'll, they'll go and win. Yeah, I'm with you on that uh, way win. We're going to wrap this up quickly now. Derry City against Limerick. Uh, I know we spoke about Bowes. I actually don't think Limerick are safe. Yes, and uh, but they're the one now. Like a team on 28 points is definitely still in it. But they're just, they're just not really winning games either, you know. And to fail to score at home to Sligo, I know Sligo are defending a bit better, but. You just expect they should be beating Sligo at home, and they're going to Derry. I'm with I'm with the home win here, to be honest. Yeah, Derry, like they've come out of Europe well, given how bad that they the things went for them in Europe. But they've, they hasn't sort of hung over into their league form. I know they lost the Pats from being a goal ahead, which was poor. But to go and win the Derby with two late goals, and okay, they hammered Sligo as well, didn't they? Off the back of Europe too, um, they're just sort of going along, picking up points and. A couple of the younger players or new players that Shields brought in is sort of integrated. Cole at the bit. back seems to be. Yeah, rated. yeah, and there's own toll as well. A local, a local fella from Ar- well, local. I say local, like he's he's come through the sort of Northern Irish schoolboy scene as well. Holden looks a very nice player. Yeah, I haven't I've seen, seen too much of him. Yeah. I think you saw you saw the away leg against Michelin. I, I didn't see that game. That was about so, the only positive there. Um, 
At the You're same on a time, home win here, aren't you? No, I'm, I'm actually... Uh, I think Limerick have goals in them too. This actually could be an entertaining enough game. Dan, um, did, this is not... Limerick are, are not going to get out of this. I, I, think I, I don't know. Limerick are interested. Benny's starting to look very good now. Okay, I'm only seeing highlights. I haven't seen 90 minutes of Limerick this season, so... That's, that's like the Johnny Giles the key caveat there yeah. yeah he looks like a good player yeah. um, I, I just I, maybe I might go for a draw maybe Limerick are going to be shocked into realising they actually are in a relegation battle okay now. dear listener I can assure you that Dan is wrong on that one Cork against Bowes on Monday yeah because Derry bets always go so well for you pal <laughs> I, think yeah. I've, I think I've called Derry wrong in every game this yeah season. so I mean Cork <laughs> you can assure the listeners to forget the previous 10 seconds I think that this, the tenet of my argument is right but everything else about it isn't Cork <laughs> against Bowes Dan on Monday we're obviously saying this before we know how these teams are going to get on it's like on that's like a story of a journalist saying my source was excellent but wrong <laughs> you know um Corkins posed on home win yeah I, I mean night. I did I think uh they both games on Friday um but you'd assume Cork could be a, I mean they don't have the biggest squad either Cork I'm interested to see if they bring in one or two before the window closes because it might be the most pressing need when you think they're going to be okay um in the league yeah. but they've got they've got two cup competitions and um, even just they don't want they don't want a deflating end to the they season they mind to win the treble I but they, they can go unbeaten they can go yeah. unbeaten which is a huge that's thing a, that, that's a very good point so only, could, only for Galway United to screw up their 100% record they sure could who be knows the, like, yeah. who knows you said we've got nothing of we've got a non-existent league but maybe like being the team that goes unbeaten is actually it could become a good story do you want to have a do you want to have a wager of like a point that they won't go unbeaten well what's your view on it I think they won't uh, so do I so no. Okay, we're going to have to. I think they'll lose a game at some stage, but it might be because that. of other competitions. Let's get on to another competition now, the first division, and uh, delighted to be joined here in a very moment, in a very quick moment rather, by Alan Reynolds. Firstly, we just give you the fixtures: uh, Alan's Watford against Athlone, UCD against Cavantili, Wexford against Cove, and Longford against Shelburne. We're joined now by Alan Reynolds, who's the Watford manager. And uh, actually, the first thing I want to ask you, Alan, is. Will this be the year where after such a long famine in the hurling, Galway win the All-Ireland? <laughs> Stop now. Stop. You're lucky to avoid us in the semi-final. We are. We actually are. I agree with we'll you. We'll see in the final. We'll see in the final. Well, you, Cork have beaten us already, so you, deal with that one first. My prediction is you're going to beat Cork. Did you hurl when you were younger? No, no. I might have tried my hand at it a bit, but I was dangerous. So you, I gave it a miss. You were dangerous enough with the old football. That's right. Imagine me with a stick. Dan, do you remember much from him? He was an aggressive old player back in the day for Shell, Watford and the, the likes. I like that you remember much of him. I mean, as though he's been gone for like 20, 30 years or something. Like that. No, you, no, I stopped now. I saw Adam play plenty of times. Um, Good player. You, yeah, plenty of times. Uh, I think even the brief spell with Shells as well in that yeah. period after Waterford, the cup final in 04 and stuff. So yeah, plenty that's of times. Right. And that's where I met up with Pat Fenlon, who's now the boss. Yeah. Sounded like you got married or something. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And split up and back together. Yeah. And um, like in, when you give up, is it is it tough or is it just like, well, it happens to us all. We just got to get on with it and move on to the next phase. Yeah, it depends. I suppose it depends if you stay involved in football. And uh, like um, I went on to, where did I go when I retired? I went up to Stephen Kenny in Derry to be assistant manager. I also got a job at the FEI, which I'm still in. And I was assistant at, say, John Coffey and Liam Buckley. So, it's probably the next best thing. It's not as good as playing, but it, you know, it, it, it eases the the heartache of having to pack it in. I suppose. Yeah, we're not we're not we're not really here to talk to you much about, I suppose, uh, your your managerial career today. But to be working under those three guys you mentioned, Buckley, Caulfield, and Kenny, that's a fair grounding. That's it. That's it. And and actually, when I 
was manager of player manager of Waterford. After that, I went up to Pat up in Shells, as you said, and it was like I got it all wrong. I should have done that before I went to the managing. But yeah, um, look, it was a learning curve. Now, inside the last few years under those uh, three men as well, it, everything helps. I mean, Alan. So, you, you, as you mentioned, I mean, you were manager of Waterford. You went to a cup final in '04. Um, I know you mentioned your own development, maybe as a coach and as a manager. But what about the club? Where is the club at now? relative to even that time because it does appear like the good vibes are building down there again with crowds and and the, the wider community seemingly responding to the club again yeah it's fantastic at the minute um, it needed a change and I don't know if Lee Power hadn't come in I wouldn't like to say where it would have ended up but um, he, Lee came in and obviously bringing Pat Fennan in who would be a big name excited a lot of people um, I suppose the local thing of having myself involved as well and signing a few players and, and look, they're, they're crying out to to support the soccer down here um, to support a winning team I suppose but it's just caught the imagination of so many younger lads now that I see coming into games which would never have went um, which is good to see so if we can get some of them involved and get some of the older ones back uh, we'd be happy but you look at nearly 2,000 at our game last week we played that loan about two months ago and it was 2000 at that so the way I've always said from the start is if you could get out of the division and play some of the bigger ones you'd possibly double that you know this is really echoes of Limerick Dan isn't it but arguably more impressive because um, the crowds are getting just you know playing fairly like against that loan getting crowds like that uh, the poor yeah. the league. in fairness like you must be very excited without preempting that you're going to get promoted around like that Alan. yeah yeah Look, we still have a, have a bit of work to do um, you know, you know, you look at the Limerick thing. It's great to have teams like that, Waterford, Limerick, Cork, and and spread out around the country. Um, we're we're just looking to build, and Lee Power has a vision where he wants to bring the club. So does Pat Fenlon, and they're driving everything. Now I don't really deal with with Lee. I just deal with Pat. He's the one I answer to. So they're just driving this thing so much, and there is a lot more to be done. A lot more work to be done on the ground. Um, but they are. We're going to try our best to get there. And it seems to be a broader thing as well, Adam. I've heard the the quality of the underage sides, sort of 17s, 19s, is reasonably good as well. Yeah, I'm actually on the way over to watch uh, the 17s of playing St. Pat's and quarter final of a cup. And yeah, they're like they're very good. The 17s, the 19s have had some good good results. But the 19s, we've got some players through to the senior team from the 19s. So that's that's in in our mind a success, and that's what it's all about. Like I'm looking at some of the 17s now could come into the squad. So. Into uh, the senior squad? Important. Yeah, into the senior squad. You know, and Give us some up. names then to look out for from 17s and 19s. Uh, Colin, Colin Wilkinson. Collie Wilkinson. Not the singer now. You don't remember the singer? Colin Wilkinson. Do you remember? Collie no. Wilkinson. You, what age do you actually think we are, in fairness? You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm only in my <laughs> mid-30s. You know. Ah, yeah, but you, you still remember him now. Right? Yeah. But just the young lad, Collie Wilkinson. Um, there's Jack Lark in there. Just, you know, there's some good young... That of the 17s, there's plenty more of them now, but, you know, we're looking to just get these fellas through, like, you know yourself, we have the region down here of, you know, I suppose, South Tip, Kilkenny, Summer Wexford, Waterford, and we're trying to tap into all that to try and get players from all around that area, and forget about them leaving us, and going to Park City and all these fellas, keep them here from now on. I mean, the flip side of that, Alan, as well, you've got senior characters too, I know Kenny Brown's had a, the odd injury and stuff, but even being able to sign a player like Paul Keegan, 
in the, in the summer window must be a huge boost. Someone who's played at sort of what three divisions in England to be able to bring him in must be a great boost for the whole camp. Ah, uh, absolutely fantastic. He, he's we're delighted to have him, and he's a he's a top professional. I mean, everyone has got a lift, you know, right the way through the club from Paul Keegan coming in. Um, Kenny Brown's a you know top class centre back and broke his arm, but was back after four weeks. Um, so look, they're two great lads, and obviously they're hungry to get out of this division. They don't want to stay in it too long. At the end, he just supposed to, they don't want to waste any time. But you know, they've been great help. Paul Keegan has been great help to all the younger players. He's a role model for them all, and we're delighted to have him. Lucky to have him. And what's your story going forward? Like, uh, how, I suppose, how long do you, how long are you under contract for there? And what do you think your role will be? Will you definitely be in charge next season going forward in the Premier Division? Well, I might step down now, you know, and yeah, uh, take a shot at the know, hurling. Yeah, that's it. I mean, get out of the division. I look, I, I haven't looked any further. I, I still have my work at the FBI as well, so I have to see how that goes. And get out would of you division. become full time? Would I? That's a million million dollar question. Um, I don't know because to leave a job that I'm in at the minute to go for that and be sacked after six weeks or, or, or a year is a gamble. But look, it's something I might might look to do, you know, because it's all about taking a gamble at times. And before you go, uh, former Watford United star Sean Maguire obviously uh, has had quite the year. Obviously scored for Preston last night. Um, how how do you think he's going to go? I know he's uh, from down from the southeast, really flying the flag for the region. And what a story he's been, I suppose. Oh, absolutely fantastic. And I was down in Cork City last year and John signed him down there. He's a great, great fella. Some ability himself and Kevin O'Connor who come through the ranks of Waterford actually. And, um, two good players. You know, like it's going to be hard for them. You know, it is a step up. But, um, you know, if they work hard, I think they have a right chance. It'd be great to see. I just want last thing, Alan. I mean, you mentioned that uh, Sean Maguire and Kevin O'Connor, you probably have the likes of Paddy Barrett and other good players from the region who've maybe had to go to other clubs because Waterford have been in the doldrums. Is the vision to make sure that the good players in the region are all there, all there at that club? Yeah, it's gone on for, you know, the last 10, 15 years. And you wouldn't blame players. I've done it myself when uh, the club wasn't going well, you moved on. Um, but that's something we're trying to put a stop to. That why would you leave? You, you, know, you don't need need to go to set up is, is going right and we want to get out of the division and I suppose Lee Power doesn't want to mess around he wants to have you know right go of things when he gets out of the division if he gets out of it um, so keep those fellas here the mind going off to John Coffey and these fellas there it is if you're listening John take that and fi- we actually have one final question for you given you know how strong you've been in the first division it's legitimate to suggest that you could have a run in the cup and you've been drawn against shells which is an interesting one for obvious reasons is that any sort of a priority for you guys and it must be an incentive for the players to play against Premier Division players again yeah it looks it would be we got to the, I think it was the quarter final of the league cup um, shells have been one of our toughest, toughest opponents so far this year so can't really look past that but I would lo- I'd love to get a a big, you know, Shell's out a big team, a big club, but I'd love to get a Premier Division team at home if we could manage to get through it. But first things first, win our game Friday, another game, and then we've, we'll worry about the cup. Great to chat to you, Alan, and best luck for the rest of the campaign. Okay. Thanks, Alan. Thanks a million, lads. He was good fun, Dan. He was, good character. Um, he's sort of a... It is, as he mentioned himself, his career cycle has been interesting, that he was a young manager, then went, went and played for a while, and then went on to like work with uh, a lot of the more sort of preeminent managers of this era as a number two and by the sounds of it you know probably feels like he's come back better for it but uh, one of the characters hell of a player 
Commodus player. player. He was very. Even, that's even, the word actually. Yeah. Even when he when he left, like having been a manager at Waterford, I remember when he went to Shells, and he even made a bit of a difference to them that year. Just a bit of experience, and 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 was was part of a sort of the uh, a fascinating time in Shells history. But it is good to see Waterford back. I mean, it is actually a point that if they do go up next year, I think they probably have a bit of clout there to probably compete for some players and maybe even some of their local players might might end up coming back to the club. Yeah, um, he alluded to that as well. And uh, one of the locals, obviously, um, Sean Maguire. He won't be coming back to the club. No. That, that's one thing for sure. How far is this dude going to go after his debut for in an Irish-laden press? Yeah, and, like friendlies. Uh, I mean, we, 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 can, we can have a convenient attitude to friendlies. There's other friendlies Preston have played in pre-season. We haven't paid a bit of attention to them at all uh, but it just so happened Preston play Burnley Sky Sports News cover it and you know in their in their roundup on 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 Tuesday night and uh, a guy there's a lot of hype about who arrived pretty much in England 24 hours earlier mm. comes off the bench uh, goes on this weaving run and finishes with the swagger that he's been finishing and he should definitely have passed the ball left like I was so, like how are you doing this and then he just pulled just, it he just the, three he, players he wasn't he wasn't going to do that and that's actually a good um, confidence. There's, a, there's a nice confidence in that and I mean we, Kevin Doyle did it in 05 he went straight from a title winning season into the Reading side played football for probably the next two years almost it felt like but he brought that momentum with him and I was just listening to Alex Neal's comments after the game last night and very very complimentary about him the, the fact that he brought a bit of pace to their team just something they don't actually they feel like they might have on their side at the moment so I think there's a very strong chance that he will play from the start of the season how many goals uh, is he going to score next season the, the, the only thing is though I saw I did see people saying well, well what about Maguire for championship top scorer ah, the, the, the flip side of that is Preston have one of the smallest budgets in the division and uh, there's some weeks that are just going to find it hard people so how many goals can he can he score if he if he brings this form into it like doing double figures would be incredible there's 46 games in the season I think he could easily get into double figures I really do I don't think we're getting carried away to say that but in terms of being up at the top I mean I'd love it if he did because then he, he would have to go into Jordan's side and he'd probably be sold because that's the kind of club that the Preston are let's just rein it in because it's still a friendly people are missing a big thing here like Maguire's played about 30 games now he's going into a full season that's very very busy like and this is good so he could well, the danger is that you burn out uh, totally like, in February or March. He's like going to play an 80-game stretch, like which is kind of like basically playing, I don't know, whatever you want to say, 13, 14 months non-stop. No, Doyle, and Doyle did it. And I mean, Doyle did it and it I'd was just be wary demanding. And Doyle was in great shape. But a couple of years after that, he, like, he started picking up injuries. And you mm. always wonder, is there a sort of a delayed reaction to putting your body through it? But I think if the manager is sensible, he'll manage it and take him out of it as well. But every everyone's favourite team now in England plays in the Championship, you know, in Ireland anyway. Like every, there's going to be so much interest in Preston. Preston, I got Burnley in the Premier League as well. Yeah, like they are the two. I mean, Burnley are the only Premier League club with Irish players, I think now. The way things are going, unbelievable. So, yeah, that was uh, episode 23 of LOI Weekly. Hope you enjoyed. And even though another Simpsons reference, Dana was no on 24. It's going to be episode 24 next week. Mm-hmm.